I'm so glad you are here with us today. If you're expecting Pastor Brent, he is not here today. So you have the opportunity that I get, that I get to speak a little bit for like a couple minutes. <laughs> but uh, we love Pastor Brent. He's taking, taking a rest day. And so he asked me if I could help. And uh, it's an honor and it's a privilege to be up on this platform with anybody that comes up on this platform. We don't take it lightly. We understand the weight and the responsibility of it. Pastor Brett makes it look very easy every single weekend. It's like, man, I can do that, right? But then you come up, you're like, oh, gosh, I cannot do that. And so uh, today, I'm grateful for the responsibility and the honor. So before you sit down, go ahead and give your friend a knuckle or a hug, however you feel is best. And you can be seated. Shout out to the worship team, killing it all day. They got matching hats today. They're like a baseball team up here. I love it. Killing the game. Today we're going to jump in. We're in week three of a series called Tell the World. And we are going to jump into a scripture in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 through 12. And um, what we like to say throughout the day, and it's probably not the best thing to say, but it helps encourage us with the team, is always say, last one, best ones, like last set, best set. So hopefully today this will be the last one will be the best one today. So hope you guys are ready for the ride. It's going to be a journey. We're stoked. It's going to be awesome. Let's open up our Bibles and let's read God's word. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. This is the part where you probably want to highlight, underline, circle this next moment. It says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he vi visits us. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 through 6 says, remember our message is not about ourselves. We're proclaiming Jesus Christ, the master. All we are is messengers Aaron runners for Jesus for you. It started when God said, light up the darkness and our lives filled up with the light. And we saw and understood God in the face of Christ, all bright and beautiful. God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you that you've called us to be messengers and errand runners of the gospel. And we pray, God, that wherever, whatever space that we occupy in any place that we get to be a part of God, that we can be that. That we could be messengers and errand runners for you. It's in your name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Have you ever been in a conversation where you're in the conversation and the only thing that's happening is that person is talking and you're not talking? You're like, when, when do I get to say something? Like, is it, is it my turn yet or is it just to you? It's like your friend is like, no, 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 I don't need you to talk right now. I just need you to listen. Ever been there before? You been in that conversation? Amen. All the men said amen. I heard you. Okay. Awesome. Have you ever been on the opposite end of a good conversation where it's like, it's good, but not like good, like they're spilling tea, like gossip or like the cheese man, right? It's like just good conversation. It's meaningful. It's thoughtful. You're connecting. And then you walk away like, man, that was a pretty good conversation. Have you ever been there before? Like just good conversation. And I believe today that our world is looking to have good conversation. Our world is looking for connection. Our world is looking for something deeper than just a surface level relationship. That's why there's a lot of dating um, talk, I mean, TV shows like on Netflix, like Love is Blind. Anybody? Or maybe possibly like Sexy Beast. So Sexy Beast is like very weird. It's very crazy. People are dressing up 
and like they're trying to find a deep connection. It's like blind dating. It's 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 crazy. It's wild. But at the end of the day, what they're doing is they're trying to find connection. And I believe same is true is for our world when it comes to relationships. And what we want to tell the world is that, man, if we can tell the world, it's what's going to take is that there's going to be a deep connection. And see, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, it says this, and the, the prophet Isaiah saying is, is this, my servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. This is the place that I need you to highlight. It says, there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him, nothing to attract us to him. So we, as we've grown up, maybe possibly in the church or not have grown up, but we have a, a pretty interesting picture about what Jesus might look like. And there's different paintings out there. But the prophet Isaiah tells us there was nothing on the outside about Jesus that would attract us to him. And I believe that we live in a world where it's all surface, it's all about what's happening on the outside of us, but not what's happening on the inside of us. But there is something that happens in Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, and it says this. It says, um, large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. There was something that was drawing people to Jesus. There was something on the inside of him that was happening within him that people wanted to flock to where he was. But it wasn't what was happening on the outside of him. It was hap what was happening on the inside of him. If we want to make a difference in our world, point number one is that, man, we need to live a life that begs the question. What is it about so-and-so that their life looks a little bit different than mine? What is it that when I get around so-and-so, you can fill in, the, you fill in your name in the blank, that, man, I can talk to them one time, and I have, like, five friends who are, like, always in my circle. But when I talk to this person, man, something about that one person, man, there's something about them that I'm being drawn toward that, man, I want to get around them more. We must live a life that begs the question. Again, in First Peter, it says to live a good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds. The hard part about having this drawing and, and being good, being a good neighbor or being good friends is that it's messy, it's tough. And I believe that in the world that we live in, that a lot of us, we're looking for an immediate transformation. But when it comes to living a life that begs the question, we have to understand that there's a different metric. There's a different set of rules and it's faithfulness and obedience and it's longevity and it's I'm in this for the long haul. And I'm going to show up when everyone else has left. And I'm going to stay consistent with this friendship. Because, man, it matters to me that my life, that it would beg the question that whenever everyone else has ran away from this person, I'm the one that shows up. Live a life that begs a question. Live a life that says, why does so-and-so never give up on me? I believe I'm the product today of somebody just not giving up on me. If it wasn't for that person that just kept on showing up for me, I, I would not be here today. And I'm grateful that there was someone on the opposite side of a good conversation that said, man, I see you. I see you in your mess. I see you in your heartbreak. I see you in your heartache. I see you. And I know you're here right now, but, man, I'm going to hang tight. I'm in this for the long haul because I know that there's a bright future for you. Live a life that begs the question. Um, I love, I love. My mom and dad, I feel like I all, every time I get a chance to speak, I talk about my mom and dad. They're probably like, man, you always put us on blast. Uh, but, man, I, I just had a great childhood. I was the only child. I always talk about this. But one of the policies at my household 
was that we had an open door policy. Like, open door, like everybody could come in and come out. It didn't matter who you were, where you're from, what neighborhood you're from. You can always come into my household. Again, I was the only child, so it was a little bit easier uh, to have uh, lots of people at our house. The only rule that my parents did have was simply this, was that if you got in their vehicle wherever you went, if you come with me, you go with me. That was the, the main thing. And my friends were like, nah, man, can I just get a ride and, like, just chill here and, like, don't tell your mom, like, that I snuck out. Like, I want, I'm like, no, dude, my mom's going to kill you. Like, we have to, like, wherever we go, we got we to keep, got to stay together. It was open door policy. It was like uh, Planet Fitness, right? Planet Fitness is a no judgment zone. Like, that was my mom's house. And it was based off the, the specific thing was that my mom and my dad really cared for my friends. Like, so much like a brother, like if there were their son and daughter. Like, that's what my household looked like. That's all I ever knew. Till this day, you go to my house during Christmas, and there is a tree full of presents. And I walk into the house, and I'm like, Mom, I'm the only child. You have two grandchildren and your daughter-in-law. Who are these presents for? And she's like, it's for so-and-so and so-and-so and and this neighbor. And I bought it for all their kids. I'm like, man, you're rich. Like, where would you get all this money from? Like, you could have invested all that money into your son, but it's cool. I get it, right? Um, but but because she 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 she's she has a loving heart, she cares for people, and and honestly, what the, the crazy thing about my parents is like, man, they they would they would spend their last dime for some for somebody because they matter, because man, they want to live a life that begs a question. I believe today that people are often attracted to Christian communities before they are attracted to the Christian message. It's important to understand that before I, I take out my Bible and slap someone across the head, like, can you get this? It's like they, they want to be part of something. Like, they, want, they would rather come and be part of a community rather than, like, drink the Kool-Aid of Christianity. Or drink, or, or better yet, drink the truth of what Jesus wants to do in their lives. But they say, man, I can, I can do relationship. Man, I, I can do a pop-up on a Friday night at Chicken and Pickle and show up and be there because I think I can do that. That's pretty cool. Like, I wouldn't mind showing up to that. And they're attracted to the community. They're, they're attracted to the connection. They're attracted to being around people. And they may not be attracted right away to be around the Christian message, but, man, they are attracted to being around Christian community. And I wonder how many of us are being inviters into our world. I wonder how many of us are taking a moment and stopping and listening and connecting and pausing. I asked a missionary one time about what was the difference between America and the place that he was that the place that he was in the mission field at he said man it's a slower pace it's slow he's like when people have coffee with you they're sitting with you they're connecting with you they're not looking at their phone or their watch they're just talking and then when he's saying that I'm like oh my phone's scrolling I'm like oh my bad sorry about that but isn't that true that man every time we're trying to find a connection or a deep connection that we're so busy, we're so, we're on the, to the next thing, and we're, we can't settle and pause and, mijo, put your phone away. My dad's always like, put your phone away, it's okay. I'm like, okay, dad, I'm putting it away. But there's moments that we can be intentional, and we can just, you know what, let me put my phone on airplane mode right now, so that way I can really listen to what my neighbor is saying, so I can really listen to what my, my neighbor needs, my friend needs right now in this moment. And, and, and the thing is that, when's the last time you listened? I have an incredible neighbor. He's incredible. This guy is amazing. Um, I don't know today if my if my buddy, my neighbor, is a Christian because he loves to party, and that's fine. I, I'm totally I'm totally with it. I'm like, you're the life of the party. It's always loud at his house. It's amazing. But man, he is a good neighbor. Literally, like a good neighbor, Chad is there. Like he's State Farm. The guy is always there. 
one of the most most one of the most recent things that he's done is he's helped um, helped me in different ways. But one of the things that I am not good at is anything like with tools. Like that's just not me. I'm more of like a computer guy. I'm like you know on the back like on my computer like you know editing and designing and putting a video together. But if if I get stranded, Maria's gonna be very upset. My wife, she's gonna be like how are we going to get home? I'm like, I don't know, let's call somebody, right? So Chad's the handyman. He's incredible. He's like always there. And so one of the things that happened with Noah just recently is that Noah learned how to ride his bike. And so if you know Noah, he's a little bit, you know, kind of a little bit more stocky, I guess I'll say. Or like, you know, he's a little more, you know, he's kind of jacked. I'm like, man, you're jacked, bro. You're strong. He's like, no, I'm not that. I got a big belly. That's what he always says. He's funny. Um, so anyways, he got on his bike. Um, and as, as he's struggling through his ride with the bike, it's kind of like his training wheels are doing this. And so Maria was like, I think you need to take your training wheels off. I bet you know how to ride your bike. And so right away, he didn't, he didn't say dad. He said Chad. He's like, let's go talk to Chad. So he takes his bike and, like, knocks on Chad's door. And Chad's like, yeah, man, I got you. So he takes off the training wheels, airs up his tires, and Noah learned how to ride a bike. But it's because, like a good neighbor, Chad is there. Now, wonder, if Chad's not even a Christian, how many of us that are Christians, how many of us are being a good neighbor? How many of us are, are taking a little bit of a step further for those that are around us? How many of us are, are stopping and connecting and pausing and saying, hey, you may interrupt my day, but it's okay. I'm going to take this time for you right now in this moment. How many of us are doing that? Live a life that begs the question. If we're going to tell the world, if we're going to make a difference, we also, number two, we got to live through our past. You got to live through your past. You got to live through your past. First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And then Hebrews takes it to another level and it says, and I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. So here's two scriptures that are very important to us today that I think it's easy for us to lean on and it's amazing. But here's the deal is that. Whenever your past arises, you're like, oh, God doesn't remember my past. It's amazing. I'm forgiven. I'm a new creation, right? And then something monumental in your life happens, and then your past just comes up. It's like, oh, my gosh. I gotta, I, all these things are starting to come up in, in your past. And in order for us to, to live a life that begs a question, in order for us to have good conversations, for us to own our past, when you can own your past and have real conversations of, hey, this is who I once was, but I'm no longer that anymore. Hey, I'm still dealing with that today. Hey, I'm still just as normal as my friend is on this side. We are talking about our past. But, hey, I'm going to own it, and I'm going to use it for the good of God. And even in moments like today, this morning, for me, I woke up this morning. The first thing, past, all in my, all in my head. Everything that I could have thought of before I got here starts to arise. And I start to, like, wrestle with this idea of, like, I'm not good enough. I shouldn't be up here. Like, why, why would he pick me? Why would God use me in this moment? And all these things, it's a monumental moment for me, right? Like, and our past can rise up. But in order for me to say, you know what, I'm going to fight that issue right now. I'm not going to believe that lie. I'm going to stand on a solid foundation. I'm going to walk forward. I'm going to say, you know what, I'm not going to hang on to my past, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it away. Because when I give it away, there's someone on the opposite side of this conversation that maybe there will be some hope for them. And see, a lot of us are hanging on to our past because we don't want no one to know about, you know, what's going on in, in our real lives. We're like, ah, man, I, I can't bring people into my house. They'll see my messy room. They'll see my messy house. So we're like, nah, nah, I'll just see you like in two weeks. Like, two weeks, cool? Okay, two weeks, cool. Let's put on the calendar. We'll, we'll hang out in two weeks. 
like the day before, I'm like putting all my clothes into the closet. I'm like, oh, gosh, people are coming over. And Maria's like, why did you invite people to the house? Like, what's happening? I'm like, wash the dishes, woman. Come on, let's go. Come on. I'm just kidding. I'm not like that. But we're putting everything away. And then so friends come over. I'm like, let's push it back to 8 o'clock tonight because our house is still a mess. And so it's 8 o'clock, and I'm like, I think they can come over. I think we're good. And so anyways, my friends come over, and I'm like, she's like, what's in this room? I'm like, no, not that room. Don't get in there. Like, no, because you're going to know who really how I, my house is really a mess. And we don't invite people in because we don't want people to know how really we are. Because whenever we invite people in, there's nowhere to hide. And if there's nowhere to hide, then it gets messy. It's like, man, she'll know who I really am. He'll know who I really am. They'll, they'll know exactly how I am. The closer they get, it's harder for us to have conversations. But I believe that when we bring people in, and they can understand how normal we are, that there is where transformation happens. You say, man, I'm, I'm just as normal as you. I'm still trying to figure out how to raise two kids. I don't understand it. I'm still trying to figure out how to be a better husband. I'm still trying to figure out how to be a better father. Man, I'm still trying to figure out how to be a better neighbor. I'm trying to figure it out. Come along for the journey. Hey, and by the way, I have bad days. And by the way, I have good days. And I also have grumpy moments. But hey, let's do this together. I have nothing to hide. Let's do this together. When we own our past, we can make a difference, right? I remember, I remember a time, um, the clock's not moving, so I have a lot of time, guys. I'm just kidding. I'm just uh, I'm like, whoa, I have a lot of time. Um, I remember a time when I uh, got saved, like the first time I got saved, like meaning like I was like, I'm no longer going to like party. I'm going to like just follow Jesus, like hardcore, like let's go, like no more partying for Mary. Like it's like I can't do it anymore, right? And uh, I don't know if you guys know, but maybe some of you guys, maybe none of y'all have ever been in like the party life, like um, maybe you went to college. So I went to a college. Um, there was literally nothing to do in my town besides party. Like there's literally nothing. You got to eat and you got to party. That's it. That's my town, um, which is why they need Jesus. <laughs> and so uh, one, of the, one of the things for me was that it was Thirsty Thursday. Thursday nights is like college night. Like it's going to be awesome. It'll be amazing. And I lived that lifestyle for weeks and for years and for months and just kept on Thirsty Thursday, Thirsty Thursday. But finally, I was like, there was just a moment where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I'm ruining my life. I'm going to probably lose my girlfriend, which was Maria at the time, and still my girlfriend and my wife now, my fiance, all the, all the above. Like, if I, if, I don't, if, I don't get it, if I don't get it together, she's going to be gone. Like, she's out. Like, I need to get it together. So I was like, got it together. I get excited. So I start, like, I'm, like, just, like, you remember that first time you got saved? You, like, just, like, it, everything unpacks. You're, like, oh, my gosh, like, this is so brand new. I'm so excited. And I'm looking for someone to, that I can say. You're, like, Say something, say something. Oh, yeah, yeah, you, you, you. Okay, you cussing? Come here, come on, let me pray for you. Let me give you Jesus, right? He's like waiting for that person. They're like, just like, you got your, you got your scope. You're like looking for them. Like, let someone stumble right now so I can help. Like, that was me. I was, I was like so excited. And I'm like, I wanted to give like Jesus to everybody. And so it's funny because I got a text message. I, I, I waited for the week to happen. I knew, I knew th Thursday, Thursday was happening on Thursday. So I got excited. Meaning not because... I wanted to go party, but because I knew that on Friday I was going to send all my friends that were at Thirsty Thursday a text about how they're bad and how they needed Jesus. So on Friday, this is like me, like I'm thinking I'm winning people for Jesus. I'm so pumped up. So I literally, so I literally wake up on Friday morning and I text a group of my friends and I'm like, I can't believe y'all. Like, aren't you tired of this lifestyle? Like, I just, you need Jesus. Like, man, God wants to change your life. 
like now, what needs to happen now. And my friend literally responded back, like, bro, you just gave your life to Jesus yesterday. Calm down. Like, what are you trying to tell me? Like, calm down. And I think a lot of us, too, is that when it comes to good conversation, that we, we project our relationship with Jesus onto someone else. And we expect people to be at the same level of, like, hey, can, can you just kind of be, like, where I'm at? And it's, like, you should be at my level. And, like, no, like, can you just be at their level and speak to where they're at and get into their world and not be so judgmental and have a conversation that could possibly bring some um, just change, like, life change into that person's life. And I, and I literally showed Maria that text, and I'm, like, am I being judgmental? She's, like, yes, bro, calm down. I'm like, oh, I can't believe you. Like, I'm just, like, frustrated, like, out of my mind. And from that day forward, I had to understand that. I had to stop judging people, and I just started, had to, I started to have to show up for them. I had to stop judging and say, man, I can't do the life change. But what I can do is I can step up, and I can show up, and I can be consistent with my friends everywhere I go, wherever I'm at, that, man, that they would possibly at one point, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not in months, maybe not in years, but at some point in their life, that they would know that Jesus is Lord. So I think it's important for us also that we got to live through your past, and lastly, we got to seize the opportunities. We got to seize the opportunities. I was looking up on Google. Anyone use Google? Like, just like it's like the goo, it's like the guru of anything. Anybody? You can find anything on Google. I was like, I don't use Google, guys. They're tracking me. I'm not doing that. Um, San, but I, I, look, I looked up on Google, and I and I was I asked the question on Google, how big is San Antonio, Texas? And it came up to me, and all these results came up. But one of the things that came up was that we are the seventh largest city in America. Seventh. Like, that's pretty big. The number is 1.5 million people in San Antonio. And then the metro is 2.5 million. That's a lot of people. That means there's a lot of opportunity for us to be a to able to have good conversations that maybe one person, maybe our neighbor, maybe we can start small. Maybe not the whole city of San Antonio will come to know God, but what would it look like if we all became better neighbors? What would our world and our city and our communities and our neighborhood, what would that look like if we said, man, what an opportunity we have that there are so many people here. Man, if I just met one person a day, man, if, if I just knew somebody that I can show up consistently every single day in their lives, man, I could make a big difference. First Peter 3.15 says this, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Always be ready to explain it. We must do a better job at listening to what our friends or neighbors, co-workers need. We've got to be intentional in listening. Like I said from the top, it's like sometimes you're in a conversation where you have no opportunity to speak. But are you taking mental notes or literal notes about what that person needs in that conversation? Are you taking a moment of, hey, I remember that you said this particular thing. I came across this post or I came across this article or I came across this podcast. I, I believe that this will help you with what you're struggling with. I believe that this thing that I'm listening to, I, be, I bet this will help you in your journey, right? Are, are, are we seizing the opportunities? Are we listening more? We must understand and listen to the needs of our neighbors. Paul would say it this way down in uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 19. It says, even though I am a free man, 
with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. Verse 22, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone. Highlight that part. I try to find common ground with everyone. Doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share it in its blessings. Life and common ground. How can I connect with my neighbor? How can I connect with my friend? What are the things that I can understand to have better conversations in this moment? What, what is it about so-and-so? Like, what, what, what's that one thing? What's that one little thing that I'm trying to find common ground? Right? You, you have to be listening. I know, I know our friends that, that work at local, they said that they have regulars that always show up to, to local coffee. They know them. They know them by name. It's kind of like Cheers. Ever, been, ever seen Cheers back in the day? It was like when Norm would walk into Cheers, it's like, Norm. Like everyone knew his name. It's like everybody knows your name. Nobody knows your son. Well, I'm old. I'm very old out here. Um, but it's, it's, it's being a regular, like showing up to spaces and places where people will know you and you know them. Like, Drake had a song that said, like, no new friends, but I believe we got to put a K-N-O-W to no new friends. Like, it's important for us to know new friends, right? Like, like, hey, he doesn't want any new friends, but I believe that, man, we should know new people. Like, it's important for us to be intentional with the places and the spaces that we get to occupy and be around that. Man, it's important for us to say, man, I want to know new people. I, I want to be able to show up in their lives consistently. Man, I, I don't just come to this gym to get my biceps a pump, but I come to this gym because I occupy and maybe through the strength of this moment when I'm having my time, there's somebody around me in the space that I may connect with in this moment. And even though they may not want me to connect with them, maybe possibly there may be a moment that I can seize the opportunity to possibly just say, hey, man, you got some big biceps. How can I do, how can I do that specific movement, right? Sounds crazy, but it's a specific thing that possibly some of us can, can um, find common ground in. It's so basic. It's so simple. And yet, we make it so difficult about being a good neighbor to those that need us to be a good neighbor to. We got to seize the opportunities, become a regular. Moments have the power to create movements. And I believe every little piece, every time you show up, every single moment, it has the opportunity to create a movement. It may not happen today, my son may not get it today. I may have to redirect them every single day. It may be challenging as a parent to always have to redirect my children, but they may not get it today. But at some point in their life, at one moment in their life, they may get it. They may get it. And it's important for us, the same thing for us. I'm going to keep doing little by little. I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to keep speaking to that one friend. I'm going to keep doing what I need to be doing so that way life change can happen. I'm going to keep being in, 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 in proximity to these people so that way, man, in that one moment, a movement happens. I want to be a better neighbor. I want to be a better friend. In Luke chapter 10, we close with this. Everyone said amen. Just kidding. Okay. You guys still with me? All right, all right. Luke chapter 10 says this, one day an expert in religious law stood up to the test, stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Anyone ever test Jesus? Anybody ever just test him? There's a song that says, try Jesus. Okay, anyways. Um, don't try me. We're doing a series in youth right now called Try Jesus. It's really good. It's a good series. 
Wednesday nights, middle school, high school, plug real quick right there, just call Try Jesus. Um, anyways, it's a good transition moment for Mario to come up. No, I'm just kidding. So, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And I love that response from Jesus. He's like, well, what, how do you interpret it? How are you reading it? He's giving us the option to say, well, you respond. It's like that's what life with Jesus is. It's always, it's a response. You always have an opportunity to respond. Then it goes on to say, he says, the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. Period. Okay? If we could, this would be awesome. If that's all it took for us to have eternal life. This front end of the scripture is simple. It's exciting. I can fake that. I can tell you all day that I love God with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my mind, and with all my strength, and be about my day. Here's another way to put it is I always ask people, how are you doing? And they say, good. So I've taken it a step further, and I said, on a scale of 1 to 10. And they said, 4. I said, okay, you're dying. Like, we got we to get back to getting you to, like, more to a 7. Because we can fake it, guys. That, that portion of scripture is easy. I can tell you guys every day, and you would never probably ask me to prove it. But I could tell you by my words that, man, I love God with all my heart, soul, and mind, and with all my strength. Simple. But then there's another piece to the scripture. And it says, and love your neighbor as yourself. Which then leads me to this question. Do you love yourself? Pastor Noah, I don't know how to be a good person. I don't know how to be a good neighbor because, man, I don't even love myself. I've, I've never even done some inventory within myself. And so, Pastor Noe, I can't be a good neighbor because I don't know how to love myself. I don't know what that looks like. Well, that's good news for us. Because we understand that even though we may not, we can't figure it out right now, but, man, we can start to unpack what does it look like to really love myself. And as I start working on myself, man, I can love others. So you have to ask yourself that question. Do you love yourself? And it goes on. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked, and who is my neighbor? He's like, on a scale of 1 to 10, like, who is my neighbor? Like, can you tell me? Right, he's like testing him again. Who is my neighbor? So Jesus tells this parable, and this parable is incredible. It says, Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Verse 31. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by. wonder how many of us are passing by people. How many of us are passing by? 
So there's another opportunity that Jesus says, and it says a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there. But he also passed by on the other side. How many people are we passing up in our everyday life? I don't have time to connect. I got my own challenges that I have to work on, but we're passing people up, passing people by that are broken, that are hurt, that just need you for one minute, maybe two minutes, maybe three minutes, maybe five minutes. But we keep passing people by. I love, I love this thing about my wife. She's a counselor. She's amazing. And uh, one of the things that we learned early on is that wherever Maria was at, somebody was going to open up to her. Like, literally, like, like right away. And she's like, does it say counselor on my forehead? Like, I'm confused. Like, literally, guys, we went to Chili's. Chili's. And I'm like, dude, what is, like, where is Maria at? She came out, and she's like, I'm like, did you get us a table? Like, what's going on? She's like, dude, I just walked in, and that person just started opening up to me, like, telling me, like, their whole life story. I'm like, really? She's like, does it say counselor on my forehead? Like, man, for me, I want to live a life where, like, I, I just take a moment, like Maria, where she just pauses. Pauses people. Right where they're at. Man, can I live a life where I can just pause, take a moment, and not pass by people? See, uh, the, the reasons why we pass by people is because, man, we want an ROI. We want a return on investment. If I give $5, I should get $10 back. If I invest $20, I should get $40 back. We need an ROI. There needs to be a return on investment. Like, what's my investment? Where am I getting mine back? But Jesus... He goes to the cross for me, Noe, and he knows that maybe one day Noe may never return the love that the love that he had for me. I may never do that for him, but yet he decides, no, I'm still going to go to the cross because that's what I'm called to do. And even if Noe never returns the investment that I'm going to sacrifice for, it's still okay because I still love Noe. There's no ROI. We pass people by. It's tough. It's challenging. We got things to do. We got bills to pay. We got children to raise. I get it. But we got to stop passing people by. Then he goes on to say in verse 33, Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. When's the last time you felt compassion for somebody? When's the last time you felt the burden that your neighbor was feeling? Then the other side is like, when did they feel that for me? I get it. I, I understand. It's tough. He felt compassion for him. He felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds in olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. He took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his, bill, if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Now go and do the same. You're one good conversation away from someone's breakthrough. You're one good conversation away from seeing healing in someone's life. You're one good conversation away from seeing miracles happen within your neighborhood, within your um, 
community, you're one good conversation away. One step, one conversation, showing up daily, being persistent, never giving up, living a life that begs the question. You see, our world today has done a good job at being friendly, but not doing a good job at being friends. Being friendly is good to see you. Good job. Love you. All right. See you later. Friendly. Simple. Being friends is messy. For some, I'll probably say it's a waste of my time. No. It's not a waste. It's a moment. It's like a passion. It's easy to be friendly. Simple. But man, when you're a true friend, when you're a real friend, showing up for people, sacrificing, giving, opening your doors to people, inviting them in, taking them places, being there, showing up, having good conversations, telling them like, hey, that, that specific thing in your life, man, you probably need to maybe change that a little bit because, man, I'm a real friend. And real friends don't allow real friends to go through mess because I know that you're mess, man. You're making decisions based off this, and that's why it's a little bit messy. But, hey, I'm here for you because I have compassion for you because I have compassion for you. Man, I love you, and I want to get down into your world. And when I get down into your world, I believe that we can tell the world more about Jesus. Friendly versus friends. You can have 3,000 people on Instagram that follow you. Cool. How many of those people are your real friends? But the generation that we live in is have as many followers as possible. Don't have real relationships. That's important for us today to say, man, I want to be a better neighbor. I want to have good conversations. I want to live a life that begs the question. So today, the challenge for you today is if you have a notebook, if you have a phone, you're taking notes, is today. If you have five people today, five people, maybe in your community, in your circle, say, Pastor Noah, I don't even know five people right now. I just moved to San Antonio. Cool. If you know three people, like I don't even know three people. Okay, cool. If you have, if you know one person, challenge you today to write that person's name down. Think about how you can be a better friend. Think about how you can be a better um, neighbor. Think about how you can show up in that person's life daily. And if you can't do any of that today, man, just start to pray for them. My grandma, my grandma's not doing too well today, and she's kind of like on the, I would say weeks or months in her life, and she, she was sharing a story with me a couple weeks ago um, that she, she gave her life to Jesus when she was 32. And I was, so, I was so, like, surprised by that because I've always known my grandmother to be a Christian. Like, that's all I've ever known. I'm like, really? Wow, like, I didn't know that you gave your life. Like, I mean, that's not late, but for some it's been kind of late. And I was like, I was surprised. And she just said, like, my, my mother never stopped praying for me. And she just would always show up. And she talks about that scripture in 2 Corinthians where it's like, the old life has gone, the new life has begun. And she said, it was when I read that scripture, like everything in that scripture brought life to me. And I was like, I want to give my life to you. And she was 32 years old. That's a beautiful thing because that means that wherever anyone is at on their journey, if we can just be good neighbors, we can be intentional with them, that man, maybe one day they'll come and know Christ. God, we thank you for who you are right now. We thank you for just having compassion on us, God, for looking at moments in our lives. And even though it was messy, you still decided to get into our mess. I pray, God, today that the challenges of our 
of our day, the challenges of our moments, God, the challenges that may be keeping us away from connecting with people and, have real, and having real intentional conversations with people. God, that we, would, that we would stop and put those aside. And God, we would say, you know what? I'm ready today to have real conversations. I'm ready today to be intentional. I'm ready to look in someone's eyes and to pause and to connect and help have good conversations. God, I pray for those in this space today who are working on that back end of love your neighbor as yourself. I pray for anyone in the room today, God, that possibly needs to love themselves today. Lord, that your grace and your peace and your mercy and your love would just embrace them right now in this moment. God, that they would feel your embrace, God, that they would feel your love like never before, God, they would understand that you love them, God, that you're crazy about them, God. And Lord, that, they, that we would begin to start seeing ourselves the way you see us. And God, and as we start to love ourselves, God, that we would become great neighbors so we can love those that you've called us to. It's in your name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Amen. Well, thank you for that good word. Pastor Noe, can we give it up for that? Yeah. I think I've said it every service, but, man, it just feels so good to know we have some great pastors in this house that, that will lead us into anything. And so, yeah, we give it up for him. But, hey, my name is Jared, and I get the honor of leading us into our time of giving here today. And if this is your first time here with us, in no way, shape, or form are we asking you to give here today. Uh, our service is our gift to you. Um, but if you do call yourself an owner in the house, and this is our time to do so, uh, behind me on the screen, you're going to see a few of the ways that you can give. And while you're looking that over, I just wanted to share a pretty cool story um, just that's been happening over the past few months, but there's a, there's a guy at this church, his name's Tristan. If you don't know him, he's a great guy, serves in uh, young adults, and he also serves on home team, on street team. But Tristan, you wouldn't know it if you talked to him today, but Tristan had never set foot in a church before, like ever, his whole entire life, until he had a friend who's plugged in here at Pearl Tree Church and said, hey, you know what? I, I think I'm going to invite him. I think I'm going to invite him. Sent the invitation out, and Tristan's like, okay, I think I'll try this thing out. So Tristan comes through these doors, and guess what happens, you guys? Tristan has an encounter with Jesus, commits his life to Christ, and has even gotten baptized. And so, yes, we celebrate that. But it doesn't stop there for Tristan. Tristan, just like his friend, is an inviter, man. He wants to remark about the remarkable, and he wants other people to experience that same transformation that he has experienced. And so what does Tristan do? And he invites all his friends, all his buddies, and they serve faithfully all throughout the day, help him build his house and build the kingdom. And it's through obedience and giving, through faithfulness to this house, just your heart for generosity that stories like this are even possible and i know today as we kind of hear this message in this conversation on tell the world share your testimony share the gospel i know there's some people that are on our hearts that maybe maybe it's our turn to to, to be that person to them and say hey there's this cool place that i think you might meet someone's name is jesus you want to come try it out and uh, there's a great opportunity to do that in two weeks Can everyone say two weeks two weeks we're going to be having easter services four services here at pearl street church it's going to be april i think 17th is the day and so Easter is always a great time to invite somebody. Any, any Sunday is a great time to invite somebody. But we're going to make it really easy for you guys. There's an invitation card. I think the, the ushers have them ready to go on the side. Man, what is it? It's just a piece of cardboard. It looks really cool. There's a great graphic on it. It's awesome. But what is it? It's a conversation starter. It's a, hey, God's put something on your, someone on your heart today. Maybe it's a friend, a neighbor, an, a stranger that you have yet to meet. Maybe it's expectation to meet somebody for that invitation card. Maybe it's, you know, a coworker. But I ask that you pray for that situation. Pray for that encounter that God gives you the words. Man, invite them to church two weeks Easter service here at Pearl. Outside of that, we love you guys. Y'all have a blessed week. We'll see you Tuesday for church night. If I don't see you Tuesday, I'll see you next Sunday for service. Bye, you guys.